legitimately, I went through and I prepped, like watched like an hour ago for like oh the fourth God. time. Yeah. I, I I've listened to it a lot, so I think I'm good. I watched it on 4th of July though, and it was pretty appropriate for 4th of July. It just, it gets better every single time. It really does. Like, and yeah, 4th of July. Hamilton was the only thing that made me feel patriotic that day. Right now, Hamilton is the only thing that ca that captures <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, I think like the Battle of Yorktown song was really fun to watch on 4th of July because that's probably as close to like Fuck Yeah America as I'll get. Battle of Yorktown is just everything. That's like the moment where you're, if you're not standing up on your couch at that point during the movie, you're not watching the right show. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, that is the song that will even get super far left people very patriotic and very like, yeah, America. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, how are you doing though? I haven't talked to you in a while. What's up? I'm um, doing really well, actually. So I've started going out. New York's numbers are really low. So I'm like, okay, this is it. Yeah. This is as low as it's going to get before we have a vaccine. So how you spend the next month or so in New York is how you're going to spend your life until there's a vaccine. So I've taken that to be my guiding principle. Right. Be excited. It's just kind of like, this is what we got. Yeah, I'm going to Cape Cod next week with two friends. So I think that'll be really fun. And I'm, I'm scared to get out of my room. You're going to Cape Cod? What the hell? Next week, yeah. I don't know. The East Coast has done a better job. The East Coast numbers are pretty low. We'll see what happens when Southerners travel up here or... Or you know, time time goes on, but right now I feel pretty good about being on being on the East Coast and going out and taking precautions. But I thought New York was part of like the exclusion zone they created for people traveling from the South. No, I I feel like now we're trying to exclude people traveling because our numbers are so low right now. They told <sighs> people from certain hard hit states that they have to self quarantine, but they said it's also an honor system self quarantine, so it's not great. Yeah, well, we've seen how the honor systems work with the mask, and no one wears it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really, it's not really playing the way we thought it would. Well, what happened with California? I thought California was doing super well. Now, like the I, numbers spiked up. The the problem is everyone thought California was doing super well, and so they all just went outside all at once and hit the beach, and everybody just wants their summer back. So they're just like, they're like, I don't, I don't care about corona, I, coronavirus. I never heard of her. Just go out and do your thing. But the problem is now, uh, I, th I think we're like daily over 2,000 new cases. Oh, that sucks. It's bad. Yeah, I think we're California up as like the model state for doing well on this. Well, you thought so. But then I think Gavin Newsom just, he, he fell under the pressure of the rest of the state to reopen yeah. and then reopen too quickly. And now just like Texas and Florida, we're walking everything back. And... Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just, uh, it's weird times. I, I, I don't know what the solution is either. At this yeah, point. I don't know. I'm pretty proud of Cuomo. I think that Cuomo really dropped the ball with how late it took for us to shut down so that huge wave didn't have to happen. Yeah. But we, I feel like we have done a good job not reopening until the numbers really go down. Like we had 17 deaths a week ago and that was it. And for New York, that's pretty darn good. Our cases yeah. are pretty low right now. I think our no, cases have actually gone down since reopening, so. You guys, you guys are doing an okay job. It's the rest of the country that needs to get their shit together. It's, I know. I think Cuomo's last address, he's like, yeah, when New York was doing really badly, everyone wanted to quarantine us. Can we quarantine everyone now? Because we're doing <laughs> fine. Well, the problem ultimately is if the federal government doesn't have a unified, yeah. you know, 
message or, or plan of action, then what are the states supposed to do? It's like we talked about with Andrew last time. Yeah. The governors are really the ones who are running the recovery, and but they only have so much power. They only have so much ability. So we're just kind of, we're at our peak of what we can do without federal help. Right. Well, I think it'd be okay if the governors handled things, but some state governors don't want to treat COVID like a problem. They want to reopen as soon as possible. They don't want to mandate wearing masks and their state is full of people who want to treat COVID like a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the ones that showed up to the uh, Tulsa rally, all two of them. Oh, did you see a picture of the Tulsa rally? I thought it was the funniest thing. It's like people were sitting, they weren't really clustering, and there's this one guy, and he was wearing a MAGA hat, but he was sitting up in this top bleacher by himself with a mask on. It's like, well, that person is clearly afraid of getting COVID. Yeah, it kind of looked like when uh, the Seattle Sounders play their games at CenturyLink Field. They, uh, they, they tape off or like cover off the entire top stands because oh, they know man. they're not going to fill. It's like half capacity and it looks exactly, <laughs> exactly like that. Yeah. So should we just like, should we just go for it? Yeah. We just hit it up. I came up with some, like, I have, I want, I don't want to go over, like we did two, two and a half hours last time. Yeah. So I want to make sure that we, uh, we hit all the proper points, but I have like some, I want to give out some awards at the end because the thing is, right, the whole uh the whole issue now for hamilton fans is like oh do we do they now get to participate in the oscars and the academy just like straight up shut them down like put you in a closet nope you're not getting nominated oh but they just count that as a movie no they're not counting it um especially because it's on a streaming site disney plus that just really it doesn't have the same yeah. foothold as netflix hulu and all of them um but they might be up for some emmys and even if that doesn't happen i want to be able to give them our awards and yeah, sure. be the governing body. I, I don't see why we can't be the authority on that. For sure. Okay, sweet. So sure. first and foremost, thank you so much for coming back onto the pod. Um, I am gonna do a little pre-recorded thing beforehand, but it has been like three weeks since I've recorded, uh, mostly because, you know, there's not, I don't, I'm struggling to find the motivation during this time, but things yeah. like Hamilton coming out. right. I will also say the last three weeks, it kind of rightfully felt like if you weren't going to talk about Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and what was going on there, then you were distracting. And I understand that. And I respected that. But I also felt like I didn't have a whole lot to add to the conversation. So I kind of stayed quiet for a few weeks. So I'm like, I, I respect that these things are going on right now. I don't, I don't have a lot to say. That was my thing as well. Like, I wanted to be able to say something. But I first don't have... Uh, enough knowledge and have been gathering knowledge on the subject to be able to talk about it and actively, uh, you know, uh, dissipate with racism wherever I see it. And that's been my big thing. Um, and second, you know, you don't want to suppress the voices that need to be heard during this time because it yeah. is important for them to be heard. Um, and I, did, I didn't want to say anything that, that uh, was uh, debilitating or like would, would uh, you know, bring the conversation back in any way. I didn't want exactly. to be the one of those guys who just, you know, shoots off the mouth and, and as doesn't have anything pro productive to say. Yeah, um, I definitely think there are times where you let the people who are knowledgeable of the subject, who have voices that need to be heard, speak. And if you're not one of those people and you kind of know in your heart of hearts if you are or are not one of those people, you can get out, get out of the way and give them, give them the stage, so to speak. 
Right, right. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm against it. Like hashtag yeah, Black Lives Matter yeah. right here. Black Lives Matter, for In sure. Big, bold letters. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just like, it's such an important time in our country. And like, even though I don't have much of a foothold, um, I also don't, like, I, it's, it's also symbolic and gesture to just let people have their space. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so but I'm happy to be able to sit down and talk with you again and kind of revisit yeah. Nerd Corner because I felt like episode four of a five-parter was like the funnest thing that I'd done. Well, it's fun. Maybe you found maybe you found the angle for your podcast. Maybe it just is Nerd Nerd Corner. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm seeing people from like high school from my class doing podcasts now, and they have their singular focus. But I'm just like I'm so all over the place. I got yeah. I have to sit down in one lane. Like somebody's doing a sex podcast, somebody's doing a news podcast, somebody's doing what? a movie. I just like, I know about all of these things, but I got to focus on one thing. So nice. So maybe nerding out is, is the way to go. Yeah. And you're going to have to carve out like an hour every week to sit down and yeah. talk with me. This is really fun. I'll do that. Okay. For sure. Um, so Hamilton, uh, Hamill film, hashtag Hamill film. Uh, I think, I believe that you were probably one of the people uh, like me who, as soon as we had a waking moment to ourselves, we went ahead and got Disney Plus if we didn't have it, and we sat down for the two and a half hours, put our phone down, had the yeah. full theater experience. Um, what was your first take on, because you've seen the play, you've seen the musical. I have not seen the play, actually. Oh, so you I haven't? Have, yeah, I haven't seen the play yet. Oh. It's on okay. my TV list, but it's closed now, so. So that means, I mean, that means we're. Like, yeah, I hadn't seen the play before. We're on the same foot then, so that that's great. Um, but what did you think first time you saw it? I mean, obviously, you must have listened to the soundtrack before you went to the movie. It was really cool to see it on the stage. I was surprised at how much like the movie it felt, even though it was a Broadway show, and that's really hard to achieve. Because like I have to say, when they when it got announced that they were dropping a live recording of Hamlet, I was just not that excited because. From my experience, live recordings of Broadway musicals are very much a second best. Like you. It's never what you aspire to see. It's just something you have so you can remember the Broadway musical. Um, but I thought that Hamilton was very well filmed. And I think it helps that the music itself for Hamilton is in, is kind of a complete story. Like he wrote it as a concept album. So, and then he only made it into a musical after the fact. Which yeah, he, I does a disservice to how well choreographed and how well staged it is. But I think it does help that the music itself is so complete in Hamilton. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the effect that Thomas Kale, uh, I think that's his, the director's name, Thomas Kale, uh, he, the effect that he had in uh, how he was so instrumental to bringing the whole musical together. He was the one that told Lone Manuel Miranda and convinced him that like, yeah, I can see this as a musical. I can see this exactly. as a Broadway like, show. Right. And then he was the director of the movie. He was the one who directed the visual style of the show that he created and to have him as that through line I think is what ultimately feeds into its success right now like you see it trending on Twitter at 3 a.m. on July 3rd like in seven different slots uh I think Tom uh Kale has a lot to do with that um what I think one of the things you mentioned is like the translation from show to film doesn't always work um I think one of the things that Kale does really well with this and brings you into the story is the way that he directs the visual uh, and the way yeah. that he follows the choreography. It's not just one stationary camera here and point B camera over here. 
um, to give you a different angle. It really is like it's it's dancing. The camera is moving around with the players. He follows like the eyes of the players. I've noticed that he'll focus on one character and follow their gaze. So you're going around the stage as if you were watching from the point of view of the character you're following. And I think that was a really cool effect. Yeah, you can see the sparkle in Leslie Odom's eyes when he's singing Wait For It. Like, I, yeah. you're totally sucked in. Same with Satisfied with Angelica Schuyler. I mean, we'll have plenty of time to talk about those two, because, right. my God. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a complete... everyone's favorite song. Right. Yeah. It's, I, so I was living in New Zealand when uh, the Hamilton soundtrack was first released, and, like, all of the hubbub came about. It was 2015. It was, it started showing on Broadway. And I remember listening to the soundtrack over and over again and just falling in love with that, falling in love with the music, the lyricism, uh, the, it's so catchy. There's so many different styles and modes and the way it changes speed and pace is so fluid and brings you in just on its own. Um, it's a completely different thing when you're watching the show because then you see, you know, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen the show yet, uh, I forgot that they show John Lawrence's death on screen or on this on the I never stage. knew that because I always thought when I listened to the concept album, it was weird that he never got mentioned. Like I had to look up that he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was so sad because they filmed him in this blue light and they filmed Hamilton in this uh, this yellow light, and it puts a very different spin on the next song where Hamilton like writes like he's running out of time and he doesn't stop working. Yeah, and it was weird because, like, I, I kind of honestly thought that after Yorktown, that was where the intermission would go. So seeing John Lawrence's death on stage, I was like, wait, yeah. you're going to send us out like that? Really? <laughs> so is that an addition to the movie or is that a musical? No, I do. I do I, the musical was filmed, or the, the film was shot exactly how the musical was done. Okay, so it was like a film of a of, uh, performance of the musical, right? Probably several in the Yeah, nothing's changed. It, I think, so they filmed it uh, at just around the first year anniversary of the show on Broadway. So this was just before uh, Miranda called it quits on the character uh, to move on and start shepherding it into London and Puerto Rico. Um, and so this is this is actually one of the last times uh, on on in the movie where the original cast is all together, and that's super special because you also get to see them when they've lived in those characters for so long. Exactly, and they seem to really understand the characters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, okay, the, oh, now, go ahead. One that really that really struck me when I saw the film that never really struck me when I listened to the soundtrack was the beginning of Right Hand Man, where they're saying, oh, General Howe's got like 32,000 like 32, troops on the water. And when I heard that line as the concept album, I was just like, okay, that, that's just the intro to the song. But when you saw that on stage, the way they're, they seem to be drowning in this blue light, they're all standing there, they're all terrified. You can kind of imagine living in New York at the time, looking out in New York Harbor and seeing the whole British, you know, this huge British army landing on your shore. Mm -hmm. like, oh shit, war starting. <laughs> yeah, no, there was definitely I like this. that was a really good moment. Like everyone's just like, oh shit, this is real. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Things that we, that we picked up from the film that we didn't from just listening to the soundtrack. Um, let's just real quick talk about my man, Jonathan Groff, the spit king. Oh my God. The spit emperor. The man, there were like, there were hurricane rains coming down from his lower lip. It was insane. Like, what did you, like, I, I watched that and I'm like, okay, first of all, this is going to be a meme, like mm -hmm. immediately. But secondly, like what a commitment to the character. 
Does he do it on purpose or is he just saying like that? He yeah. said later, it's a choice. He said it's a choice. Wow, so like make the king look really deranged? Well, so part of his character study was that uh, King George III did in fact in his time around that era have mental and physical uh, debilitation uh, in one way or the other. So he did have, like he would be, he would fly off the handle like that. He would talk sometimes to the point where he was foaming at the mouth. Right. Well, they did, he is the Regency. They did just like take him out of power. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he just like, Ed, for somebody to get a character like that, like King George, who gets the stage on his own for three minutes, three times in the show, and just, just pull you in and fucking, like it's the only really truly funny parts of the show, and he milks every second of it. Right. And, and I just like, I love, I love that they have him as a character who, you know, it, it, they didn't write him like a tyrant, they write him like, like a jealous ex. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's a beautiful the thing. BDSM ex. Yeah. The other uh, character, weirdly, Charles Lee, uh, and his whole thing on the, on the battlefield. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. I didn't, I didn't realize that he was also the one who had, um, I forgot that he was the one who challenged, or who was challenged to a duel, that he said oh, all those yeah. things about Washington. Because in the show, you just think, oh, people are starting to mutiny. But no, it was just this one general. Yeah. So. I don't well, I like that because it gave you a chance to see a duel that turned out well because duels become so important in the second act. Absolutely. Yeah. What were you, some, some of your favorite things that you didn't hear on the soundtrack? I think it was the start of Right Hand Man. It was um, anytime the Skylar sisters were on. I think they have such great choreography. I'd seen clips of that, so it wasn't a surprise to me, but I do think that it's really fun to watch. All their dance sequences are really fun. Yeah. Um, the ending is really cool. Like the Hamilton bird duel over there, like rotating on, and he's having his spoken poetry moment. Yeah. That rotating That's stage really cool. is such a huge player in the show. It's, and, it's used amazingly. And then there's that, you've probably heard the trivia. There's the secret character of the bullet. So it's one of the dancers and she touches like every, she, she tells you who's going to die next. Yeah. She tells you who's gonna die next? She tells you, she, you follow her and she kind of touches the, the characters who are gonna die. Oh, what? Yeah. I'm gonna have to watch this again. Apparently, and I haven't seen this, so I haven't verified this, but there's something about that character where she touches the character that's gonna die next. That's crazy. She's yeah. the one yeah, with the crazy curly hair, right? Yeah, and she's a secret character. Mm. Damn. She's like the Easter egg character. So that's something that you don't see if you just see the concept album. That feels like a cheat code to the whole show. That's I awesome. Know, right? Well, I think with the show, you kind of know who's going to die. It's, it's a historical domain show, so. And certainly if you've listened to the soundtrack enough times, except for Lorenz, you do know exactly who's going to die. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think like the film, even if you watch the show, I feel like the film does something completely different where like when you're watching a, a stage play or a musical, when you're in the audience, it really does depend on where you sit, how uh, close to the action you are, how much you can see, and to be able to, like yeah. you said, follow the character's eyes and really see them emote, that's, that sh definitely would add a whole different dimension to the story. Um, yeah, oh, I was gonna say, say no to this. I think it was great as a concept album. It was really sexy as a song. Like, 
it was really hot and steamy. And I think that goes with Lin-Manuel's, um, his theory that Hamilton's life was very much the subject of a rap song. Yep. Like the, the love, sex, and drugs. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, that song was really steamy. Jasmine Cephas Jones is, she, she can get it. She's bae. She's fire. She looks so good in that red dress. And she's so just so red dress. It's kind of like you see that and you're like, Hamilton, you're a dick. But also, oh my God, this is really hot. Like, I get it. I think, you know what, okay. and that's, that's another thing, actually, before we move on, is um, seeing it is different than hearing it. Seeing yeah, his infidelity and seeing Burn and the way it just destroys Eliza is like, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there like, Hamilton, my dude, like, you're the man, but you are an asshole. Yeah. She was devoted to you. Like, look at her. Look what you well, did. Not only did he cheat, he cheated on her. She found out through a pamphlet. Yeah, and, and not context of the musical. She finds out that he's been cheating on her, and he paid off the husband through a pamphlet, like a publicly distributed pamphlet. Yeah, and the pamphlet where he uh, admitted to his infidelity, it wasn't written in order to exonerate him for his guilt of cheating on her. It's to exonerate him for financial crimes, and this yeah, was just like, hey, okay. I cheated on her, but I didn't cheat money. Like, it... and you get how how you get how heartbroken she is. Yeah. Yeah, and I d just after that, like I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the end. So we'll talk, we'll talk about Eliza in a little yeah. bit more detail later, because I know I'm not the only one who feels the way that I do about her. Oh yeah, she's great. Um, so, I mean, best song. I want to, I want to ask. Like, there is a difference to seeing, hearing the song in your earphones, and then watching the music video. So, what song do you think? Like, did your favorite song from the musical change? What was it to start with? And if it changed, what is it now? Well, I think my favorite song is the same. I still really like Right Hand Man. Okay. It's such a good story song. Mm -hmm. And I will say there are some songs I liked more on, I guess, watching it on stage than I did in the concept album. So Say No to This was one of them. I didn't really like it in the concept album. It wasn't that interesting to me. It was really good staged. It was one of those tracks you just kind of, you're like, ah, I can skip it. Yeah, it's just plot. Yeah, he's going to have an affair in this song. And then staged. God. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think all of Burr's songs, I've always really liked but Burr's songs. I don't know, because they're very good as concept album songs. In fact, I think they tend to be people's favorite songs. Mm -hmm. But Burr on stage really sells it. So I think I like the songs more on stage, even though I'd say they generally hold up very well in the concept album. It's interesting that Leslie Odom Jr., for all of his, he can be like very expressive in his body language. And if you've ever seen one of his shows or seen him in, in movies and TV, like you can see that he's very expressive. But yeah. it's crazy how much he translates to the, on stage through very little motion, actually. Like I, when I listen to the soundtrack, uh, Wait For It was my favorite song. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't take me off of that pedestal. Yeah, like, I loved, song. like, it's so beautiful, and it made me cry every time. Crazy thing. Watching the movie, it's now my number three favorite. Interesting. Yeah. Because it went down for you. It did, it did go down. And, and I'm, that's not to say that it was, it's not still amazing. Leslie Odom Jr. is, like, the way his, his stature, his, uh, his presence in that song, it's so minimal, but it does so much. But when I'm watching a Broadway musical, I want a little bit more. So uh, I didn't like um, uh, in the, the room where it happened as much as I did in the movie. That 
that performance like is next level intense it is intense and seeing burr like just completely broken up over the fact that he can't be that like it sets up so much better his political aspirations later um and you can kind of feel the seething in him that oh yeah these three assholes decided to go in and just talk about something and make a decision without any input from the American, you know, like it, it, you can feel it. I didn't pick that up in the concept album. Like I didn't get that that was the point of room where it happens, that Burr's really angry that he's not in there. He's really angry. It's happening behind closed doors. Yeah. Uh, And he's really frustrated at being let out, like being left out. So that moment I think was very defining for Burr that I didn't really get in the concept album. And then in Right Hand Man where Washington just dismisses him, in the concept album, I never picked up on how he resented that. Yeah. And in the musical, you can see how much he resented that. Washington was like, okay, just close the door on your way out. I'm going to hire Hamilton. Yeah, it felt, he, he sounded like a... He by Hamilton. Right, right. He you sounded know, like a petulant it. child when you're listening to it in the soundtrack. But then when you see it, you're like, oh yeah, these guys are just like uppity, like on their own path, yeah. doing their own thing. And I'm just sitting here like, what is this? It didn't, it felt so much better watching it. Um, and then one last time uh, yeah. with Washington, it just, Christopher Jackson's voice, man. <sighs> it's next level. He's the perfect Washington. He's a really good Washington. <sighs> it's crazy. A black person played Washington better than Washington probably did in his own lifetime. Like, let's, just, <laughs> let's just think about that for a second. <laughs> exactly. Um, he's, a, he's a very good Washington. Very stoic and like very human. And I like that. And he is, he is a big presence too. He, he sucks up the scenery on the stage and he does feel like a leader in the whole thing. So yeah. And here's the question about Washington though. I feel like all the other founding fathers get portrayed in this gray light where they are like probably good people, but they do really shitty things. And they also have really petty moments. Like Jefferson is probably the biggest asshole in the musical. Mm-hmm. Madison's kind of an asshole. Hamilton is the main character. She just like him, but he does bad things. And he's very flawed. Um, and then Burr has always been kind of infamous. But do you feel like Washington got too whitewashed? Because I, they tried to show him like like they tried to show him as a hero who was scared. Like when he gets when he gets introduced by Burr, he immediately says, "Yeah, I'm scared. We're outgunned. We're outmanned. I can't win this. I can't win this with what I have right now." But do you think that was enough? Because they they I think he was the most consistently likable man at least. I, it's a, it's a really interesting point, and I didn't think about it. At least among the family fathers. I think Lafayette and Lawrence obviously get portrayed in a very likable, very good light, and that's fine. Yeah. No, I do, I do see, I completely agree, actually. Um, and, I th- and I don't think that's as a result of uh, poor writing or, like, a lack of understanding of character complexity. I do think it's, it is a direct result of us propping Washington up as this monumental figure, this huge symbol of purity and goodness and, and American liberty and all of that. So I don't, I don't really know that you can go in any other direction with that character without presenting new information that would almost detract from the rest of the story. Like he, he is so big in the history of America that any, if we, if we are to do anything with him outside of our main character, Hamilton, then he suddenly becomes the focus. I think everybody, I would be very interested to see a different side of Washington. And I mean, one of the things that's come out now as a result of the Hamilton film is a little bit more of a deep dive into Washington's dealings with slavery and 
so now we are seeing this darker side of him. Uh, and I think that would end up, that, that would play into uh, more of the idea that, that Miranda, like Miranda's being hit pretty hard for not addressing slavery in the show as yeah. thoroughly as it should. I mean, we will talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I, that's my answer to your question. Like, I agree. He definitely was too heroized. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that that was, I, I, I don't think that was a fault of Miranda's. No, I don't think so either. And I have my own theory on why he was heroized and why he could stay heroized. Go. Let's hear it. Okay. So it kind of ties into how slavery was or wasn't addressed. I think that in a musical, you have to pick certain themes. Obviously, Miranda wrote Hamilton to be socially relevant, but you can't be socially relevant on every subject. So Hamilton wasn't about the tension of slavery or not slavery when we found this new nation. Like, he could have gone another musical could have gone that direction, although I would probably say Hamilton would not be the main character of that musical. Um, I think Hamilton was about the character of Hamilton. It was about the immigrant experience, and it was about, I think it was fundamentally a story about the immigrant experience. Like, here's this guy who came up from nothing, and he skyrocketed really, skyrocketed really high in his career, and then he kind of also came down because of his own failings, and maybe because of the system against him. And I think that is the fundamental story. And you can't have that story and then also put a huge focus on slavery. So in my opinion, I think Hamilton was never about slavery and another musical could have been about slavery, but then it wouldn't be Hamilton. It would have been, it would have been something else. I, I think you made my point as well. I keep narrative consistency. I don't think a deep dive into the tension of slavery versus no slavery would have worked for Hamilton because it would have seemed like he was trying to do two themes at once. Yeah, and it's doing the most in a two and a half hour show yeah. that it, it really, like, it's a, it, you're right, it's a story about Hamilton. It's a story about uh, an immigrant yeah. coming up from the bottom. It's a story about a man with too much ambition, uh, a man who uh, is forgotten in history, right. and we're trying to tell a story. You, I could do, do, you could do a Hamilton-esque musical. You could do a musical set in that time period as a rap concept album about slavery, but then you wouldn't do it about Hamilton. You'd do it about, uh, you know, an African-American figure in the Revolutionary War, of which there are many and they have mostly been ignored. And maybe someone else can do a similar concept album to one of those characters. But I think if you were gonna do a rap concept album about Alexander Hamilton, it will not really be about slavery. Absolutely. Is, yeah. I think if any, like the we shouldn't be looking at it through the lens of Hamilton should have done more. I think mm-hmm. people need to be looking at, at it through the lens of Hamilton did what it needed to because now you care. Exactly. Like people, people are going onto Wikipedia and looking through Washington's biography. They're reading everything that they can about him. Like cancel culture is doing a pretty good job of telling us just how crappy the founding fathers were when it came to slavery. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that we would have really talked about without Black Lives Matter and Hamilton bringing him back to the forefront. Like how many times did you think about revolutionary history after high school? Like, I, I don't think most people were. Right. Um, I'm a nerd. So on the other hand, I was, but I was, yeah, but, that, yeah. The, that's why we're here in Nerd Corner. We're the exactly. only population of two. <laughs> but it does. I think uh, this is what this is what art is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you think. It's not supposed to think for you. Um, and I think when we get to that point is when we lose the we lose the, the narrative. We lose the plot. Well, yeah, and any one story cannot handle every issue. It makes Absolutely. you care about that time period, and then you will be interested. And in someone else will make art or tell a story, make a documentary of African-Americans in that time period. 
for slavery in that time period. Yeah, start doing your own research. Let it inspire you to make your own art. Tell your own stories. Yeah, and if you want, if you want to go into a factual basis, watch a documentary, do your own research after. But the play, the musical, is for to tell a story and to entertain ultimately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I and think it did its job. And I think this ties partly into why Washington comes off as so sympathetic because to the story of an immigrant coming up from the bottom, Washington was a very positive force for Hamilton. He advanced Hamilton's career. He was a mentor to Hamilton and he advanced Lafayette's career. And so to the con in the context of helping immigrants advance in the country, he, at least to the characters we saw, he was mostly a positive force. And I think that's partly why he looked really good and mostly was not an asshole. Whereas you have people like, or people like Jefferson and Madison who just kept fighting with Hamilton and kept trying to put him down. Right. And Miranda, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a very earnest, idealistic type of guy. Like if you see him in interviews, he is very uh, authentic and, and, and eager and just a really good dude who looks at America as a place of land, like the land of opportunity, the way everybody's tried to look at it. Uh, and he came at Hamilton's story from an immigrant's point of view. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't necessarily think that he was trying to it it wasn't his job to do the most, and I didn't didn't think he wanted to do the most. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and what and Washington, it, like he all to make the point that uh, when Washington's song "One Last Time" came on, he wanted to talk about the fact that uh, we teach America to say goodbye, we teach America to move on, to progress, to get better, yeah, uh, and and move away from everything that the the pilgrims and and settlers try to get away from. Right. Uh, and I think that's the central point that Washington is there to make is, yeah, not just to be a mentor, but also to move the country forward. That was his, his service as a founding father. Well, I think his biggest service was stepping down after two terms because he makes right. the point that this is not a democracy if it depends on one person. Yes. So even if he, is, he, is current, he was currently the best choice for president, he had to step down so that they could try other presidents. So I right. thought that was really funny when Hamilton just takes the boombox with the censored and he like drops it on, on the Adams. <laughs> just like, censored. Hey, John Adams canceled in his lifetime. No one talks about John Adams. Yeah. Uh, King George's last, uh, last hurrah was John Adams. <laughs> That's John short, man. <laughs> I saw him in 85. <laughs> oh, this should be fun. Yeah, it's like, oh, his Adam, the Adams presidency is going to go up in flames. If you've seen the miniseries John Adams on HBO as well, like, you see just how much shit he got in his own time. Like, he was oh, not, yeah. he wasn't he was a revolutionary like a fighter. No, he was like a one-term president. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he got a pretty bad rap, but he wasn't a great president either, so it just kind of... You know, he, he gave was, us 4th of July as a day off, though, so we've gotten that holiday because of him. There we go, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, we're running out of time real quick, but uh, mm -hmm. let's go through some of these. Uh, for, real quick, did you take the intermission break that they gave you? Because I did. Yeah, because I, I, was, I watched this with friends during 4th of July. So I was hosting a party and we made snacks. Okay, right. So I, so did I, both times. I watched it by myself at midnight when it first got released. And I took my intermission at, what was it, 1.45 in the morning. Uh, and then I watched it with my family and we like got up, got snacks and all that stuff. You have to, it's, it's a long you movie. Yeah. Um, a biggest cry. Oh, it's quiet uptown. I always cry during that song. I think I listened to Hamilton when I was going through a really difficult time in my life. So that song always made me cry. Oh really? What? Yeah. yeah that song always really makes me cry, but it's a good song. It's really, really good. 
Mm. And I think Lynn Manuel did a really good job. Well, and, and Philippa Soup. Yeah. Yeah, they did a really good job selling it. It was so sad. When Phil, when Eliza walks out and she's got this dead look in her eyes and it's just like everything is, you don't even think about Hamilton at that point. It's like, oh, God, yeah. what this woman yeah, has gone through. For her. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I, yes, biggest cry there. I cried during Satisfied just watching Angelica. Like She's so heartbroken. That moment where she goes, oh, at least Eliza is his wife. At least I have his eyes in my life. I just... Yeah. I couldn't do it. I just, I couldn't keep it in. It was just Angel yeah. Falls. Oh. I know, because she's so heartbroken. She's so heartbroken. So sad. I know. And, and, and Renee Elise Goldsberry is just everything. Her voice soars on a different level than anybody else in that show. And, the like, how quickly she can switch between this big, beautiful Broadway belting to like this cutthroat rapping. Yeah. It, insane. Like nobody yeah, she, else does that. She is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I and I don't even think giving her a Tony was enough credit. So no. that's my I take. Think on it's an interesting choice that you would think that Eliza is the most popular Skylar sister because she's Hamilton's wife. I think everyone likes Angelica a little more than Eliza because she's just so much fun. Yeah. But they're yeah. very different. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't say that one's better than the other. They're very different characters. Yeah. Also Right. Also, justice for Peggy Schuyler, because Peggy deserved better. Oh, yeah. Peggy deserved so much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I find it interesting that he didn't even mention that she died. Because that's what happens between the two acts. Yeah, she was just gone, suddenly. She didn't get a Lorenz send-off. Yeah, and I, I don't like that. No, that's what I'm saying, justice for Peggy. <laughs> she deserved it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so you hit me up uh, about doing the pod, and one of the things that you... Actually, a couple of things that you mentioned... Uh, Angela Zander as a as an emotional couple. Yeah, you think so? My when I was watching it, my friend said I always got the impression that he and Eliza or he and Angelica had a bit of an emotional affair because he's like, who's that close to their sister-in-law? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, you you put it to me, and I it just it makes too much sense that of course, like if he was capable of infidelity with yeah. uh, red dress, what's her face? then she, he's absolutely capable of engaging in infidelity with... It was a long-distance affair. Yeah. I mean, she, even Angelica Schuyler in her letters had said to her sister in, in some way, shape, or form, hey, if you love me, you would let me use him too. Like, it's... Yeah. It, it, there, was, there, was a, there was a connection there right from the jump. And right. Angelica gave him up because she saw how in love her sister was with him. Yeah. Those feelings don't just go away, especially when you've met somebody that actually, like she says, matches up to your level. Do you think that in the context of the musical, Hamilton and Angelica would have made a better couple? Like, do you think a lot of the tragedies that happened in their mar- in his and Eliza's marriage would have happened if he married Angelica? No, I think it would have been exactly the same. He because he was going to do the same thing anyways. Yeah, it wasn't about Eliza. It was about him. It was always he's about like him. He's bad at saying no, yeah. He's yeah. bad at saying no, and then he gets baited into bad situations, and then he flies off the handle. Yeah, and just because they are both people who will never be satisfied, that doesn't mean that he's going to be satisfied with her or vice versa. And Here's the other question. Do you think if it happened to Angelica, she could have forgiven him? I think it would have been even worse with Angelica. I think Angelica would have left his ass. Yeah, I think she like, kicked his ass. I, th- I think she would never want to see him again. I think she might even shoot him with a sawed off. Like, 
Angelica was a firecracker, man. Like that was, Eliza was such a softer, kinder soul that she even, after the death of her son, who Alexandra knew was going into a duel, she took him back. Yep. Angelica would have murdered him. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I I think the answer is. Maybe for the best that he ended up with Eliza. I just, I don't, I don't think there's a good answer to it. Like, the thing is, is we have, there's still people who are, I don't know if you'd call Hamilton a narcissist. I wouldn't put him up there, per se. But he was definitely very self-interested, very self-involved. He had ambition that blinded him to the people around him. And I think when we encounter people like that in our own lives, um, a lot of times you're like, wow, that guy's, or that girl is single somehow. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's so ambitious. She does all these things. She's intelligent. She's blah, blah, blah. Why doesn't she have, why doesn't she have a relationship? And usually the answer is they either don't have time to, or they don't care enough to. Yeah. And usually the answer is they are so set in their ways. They don't want to change for someone else. And you have to change your relationship. You have to compromise. Yeah. You, uh, you either. So in that case, you either find someone who really puts up with you as you are, or you stay single. And in today's world, one gender isn't expected to put up with the other person. I think Hamilton had the advantage that in those days, the woman would actually put up with like all. Yeah. They would and, put up with like all this, all of his bullshit basically. And it was expected that you would get married in your lifetime. So that was almost like checking it off the list. Yeah. So. It wasn't a bad husband all in, you know. There were worse husbands. Yeah, no, there are definitely worse. He, he didn't beat her. Husband. He didn't hit her. Nope, nope, send her letters every week. Yeah, he did spend some of their money, but for the most part, like, she seems to have had money. He was penniless flying by the seat of his pants, so I don't know that you have many options when you're that broke. Um, So so we've established that Angelica would have murdered Hamilton under the same circumstances. That's great. Uh, Lauren Zander is what I'm more interested in. Oh, I really ship Lauren Zander. So John Lorenz and Alexander Hamilton, for those of you who still have not seen the show and are somehow listening to this podcast, even at this point, and you're, you're not worried about spoilers. Okay, cool. John Lorenz dies. Uh, John Lorenz also was the best friend of Alexander Hamilton uh, from the moment they met to uh, his death after the revolutionary war. Uh, and they were super tight. They were super cool. The chemistry was off the charts. Even in, I feel it suggests in their letters they might both have been bisexual. And that's the big thing. So, do you think that Hamilton and Lorenz did have a relationship, if not sexual, then emotional? Oh, I don't know in real life because I don't know enough about their actual biographies. But in the musical, absolutely. Oh, this is just a musical fanfic theory. Yeah. Oh, absolutely in the musical, and also Lin Manuel. Okay. I think he, he is bisexual, right? Uh, me on that. I he has a wife. I think he might. I, might it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything, but I think that he. I, I think it was intentional. He I seems. That, yeah, he seems very happily married. But I in the show, it could be, be happily, anything. Well, no, he can be happily married and be bisexual. Yeah, that's true. He can absolutely be happily married and yeah. be bisexual. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um. I mean, I'm not gonna say no to. I'm not gonna say no to this. I do absolutely think that he could have had a relationship with Lorenz. I'm gonna look it up whether he's actually. Are you? You're gonna look it up right now? Yeah, oh. not that it matters, but I do think that. I've read somewhere that yeah, it was pretty intentional. We put in. Homoerotic vibes between Hamilton and Lorenz. It wasn't. It was unintentional. It wasn't I, just fans imagining it. It's you know what is great is, 
even if that's not what the character was supposed to be in turn in regards no, to he, he is not he's not okay uh, <laughs> okay. so that's whether knows Cora, whether he believes in the possibility that Hamilton was bisexual. I guess it doesn't really matter. This yeah, is, I just kind of want to fact. It doesn't really matter. This is great content for the show. It's just you looking at your phone. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say was uh, in terms of character, like relationship building through between characters, like that's a great thing to think about is yeah maybe there is an even stronger connection than his friendship there and that's a beautiful thing and it definitely you could see their chemistry on screen they just like every time they caught they were up there together you could you believe that they yeah. were friends all right i found the source he's not he's not bisexual okay. he is a theater guy so he's very close to his male colleagues as they as we all are but he is yeah he's not bisexual but he is obviously a huge proponent of lgbtq mm -hmm. or yeah lgbtq he, LGBTQ plus. Plus, you know, yeah. he's been a very outspoken supporter of their rights, and yeah. I don't know if he intentionally put the vibes between Lorenz and, or maybe he just, they, they had good chemistry and he just went with it. That, yeah, and that's what but, I'm saying. I think yeah. it was just like, they, it served the show, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, so let's... There is, yeah, and there's always that, there is the prevailing theory that Hamilton, they were, they were that Hamilton and Lorenz were bisexual in real life. Yeah. In some of their letters. Type. Um, I, I really ship them. I, I think they'd be a great couple. They, yeah. they look good together. So let's go through some awards real quick. All right. All right so let's start with just a real quick raspberry award. Uh, what didn't translate as well from the soundtrack to the show? Do you think, if anything? Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't like some of the songs that got cut out. Such as? It was. Doesn't Hamilton have a song where he just goes off on Adams and it's super like non piece it's super like non PG thirteen? They Disney did a pretty good job of cutting out the cussing. Yeah, they cut out a lot of cussing. Yeah. So yeah, the Adams yeah, administration. Like the yeah. The whole Adams administration got cut out and I like that because it was hilarious. <laughs> Great and well deserved. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's your didn't want to translate award. I uh <laughs> it's for kids. Kids watch Disney Plus. I would not want my kids watching that song, but yeah, I like right. that song because I'm not a kid. Why buy the show if, if you're not gonna, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? Cussing doesn't really matter, but I as an adult love some of the moments. It just, it makes it feel real. I don't know. Yeah, me too. Um, I actually don't, I think Cabinet, Cabinet Battle 2 is probably my only answer to that. It just, like, I don't know. You know what? I'm not even going to say that. I th I think the whole soundtrack did pretty good justice to the show yeah. and vice versa. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Um, best thing... So let's go on the other side. Yeah. What do you think uh, was better about the movie uh, versus what you might have seen on stage? Um, I think the close-ups of expressions. Okay, so in It's Quiet Uptown, you see how broken... Hamilton and Eliza are. He is like, he can barely get the words out and he's just like, every time he sings, he's like trying not to cry. And I think you wouldn't see that as much on stage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The closeness to the action definitely serves a purpose better than what yeah. you would see on stage. Uh, who do you think, who's your favorite? You wouldn't see the spit on stage. No. Ruling King. I, I practically felt it on my cheek when he did it. Like yeah. I wouldn't have had that when I was watching the show. 
Um, who's your favorite feature player? Somebody who wasn't one of the main cast, but like had an effect on you by the end of it, and you're like, oh yeah, this dude or this guy. All right, who's not in the main cast? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Which one's not a main character? Hercules Mulligan's a badass. He's great. He's Her- such a fun guy. That man is you a. You get force. the impression he's that guy in your friend group who's just the hype man. Oh yeah, he's a warhammer. He's great. Like he's the guy you would take to the bar and everyone's trash, and he's just like, I'm gonna keep going, I'm gonna keep going. When he pops off during Yorktown, that's just like such huge hype, man. Yeah. All over the place. I loved him. But he's the hype man. The hype man, absolutely. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, we already went through best song. Um, let's just, let's do it. Uh, MVP, because I have mine and I've wanted to talk about it. But you go ahead. What's your, who's your MVP? I mean, I think Lin-Manuel, he wrote it and acted in it. You can't really beat that. Ah, <sighs> such the usual answer. Really? Yeah, I mean, he wrote it. It's, it's his idea. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, all right. No, I'll, t- I'll take that. Uh, my MVP is Elizabeth Schuyler, Philippa Sue, whoever. Yeah, they just, beautiful. They've she's melted great. together at this point. They just are the same amoebic person. It's yeah, she's great. She's so beautiful. The thing of, the reason that she's my MVP, though, is because when you're listening to the soundtrack, she is a beautiful, angelic, serene voice in your ears. Mm-hmm. And, and it's wonderful. And you do feel her pain because you are listening to the story as you go along on, on Spotify or wherever you get your music. But there's something about watching Philippa Sue acting on stage as Elizabeth Schuyler that transcends the story itself. Like, you're, I definitely, when I listened to the soundtrack, I was focused on Hamilton. It was, I knew from the start, it's his story. I love the people that were around him. I could see everything about him and felt him throughout the whole soundtrack. But what doesn't translate on the soundtrack, which does translate onto the show, is Elizabeth Schuyler's pain. Mm-hmm. And, and everything that she goes through, that everything Hamilton puts her through and all the circumstances around her in that time, in that atmosphere, it just, they, they explode on screen. And I do think that was part of the reason that people really connected with her when she was on stage. And now she's getting the hype she deserves because it's going, Hamilton's going to a bigger audience. Right. And they see, like, I've seen so many BuzzFeed lists about the top 10, 25, 35 reasons that Elizabeth Schuyler is everything in Hamilton. Because <laughs> she absolutely is. Like, the ending scene, the ending uh, uh, Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story, in the soundtrack, you don't get to see her emotionally fall apart when she looks up at heaven's gate and sees hamilton yeah that was beautiful that moment made the whole show for me like and and the debate around what why she's crying why she's suddenly like it's yeah well i don't know about you but when i watched it like i i like stood up out of my seat like a hairs on my back were like what is going on yeah it was great yeah it just it 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 completely changed everything. And, and I was surprised that the show had just suddenly ended. I was like, what, what was that? And there are different debates on uh, whether she was, she did see Hamilton at Heaven's Gate, like Hamilton said, I will see you on the other side. Or because in the song at the end, she's talking about tell, inserting herself back in the narrative that she opened the orphanage in Hamilton's name, mm-hmm. uh, the first one in New York City, that she raised money for the Washington Monument. And, uh, and, like her response at the end is 
the response of, oh, okay, so I, I did successfully tell their, his story. So you think it's she looked down the audience and broke the fourth wall? Broken. I'm, I'm just saying that's a theory. I, I, like, I that theory. Yeah, I like that theory. I, I think I subscribe to that more than seeing Hamilton on the other side. I do also like the idea that she's seeing everybody on the other side. Because by that time, by the time she dies, she's like one of the last uh, human beings alive from the time of the Founding Fathers. Angelica's gone. Peggy is gone. Alexander's gone. Thomas Jefferson is gone. Washington is gone. All of these great people are gone. And she sees all of them and they all would look back at her and be like, you told our story. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a beautiful thing. Um, but Philippa Sue is, is just the most, she is, she is gonna, she's so young and she's going to have such an incredible career. And the fact that she got this spot in Hamilton and didn't get a Tony award for it for some reason. Yeah, that was sad. Like everybody else did. You're handling it out like candy to Hamilton. You can do Philippa Sue a solid. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not going to complain because I got to see it and I fell in love with it. And I got really sad that I, and when I found out she's married in real life. Um, <laughs> I'm still, my, my heart goes on. It's fine. I'll be here for you when you're ready. Uh, and the last thing uh, I guess I want to touch on, I think it should be addressed. Like we, we talked a little bit about it in the middle, but do you think Hamilton should be canceled? Because I don't. No, of course not. Okay. I hear so many different, I've been reading so many different things about why cancel culture is going after Hamilton, mm -hmm. why it should be canceled. Hamilton why the musical or the person? Hamilton, so the whole, the story, the show, the whole thing. They think that Hamilton, the story should be canceled. Absolutely not. I don't think so either. And the reason I think so is because like we said at the start, it's not trying to tell a story about slavery or, or you know, put the founding fathers in a light that, that makes it easier for us to, reconcile with their with their sinful horrible yeah. pasts it's a story and it's not even a story about slavery it's a story about a man about Im an immigrant about somebody with ambitions this idealistic character i i don't, I don't I, subscribe to the theory that just because something takes place in a time where slavery was going on that is the only valid story to tell and not telling and not telling that story means that you are supporting slavery yeah, I, I, I think we need to look that at it. That makes it very hard to create good art. Yeah, it has, it has to be looked through a particular lens, I do, I think. Um, I, in real life, we can go ahead and, and say what we need to say about these people and yeah. that they, they absolutely should have made better decisions. So, you know, here are ways that I would, here are scenarios where I'd be less okay. okay. If it was a musical about Washington and Washington was the main character and you never mentioned he had slaves, yeah, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Because then you're whitewashed, then you're, you're hiding it. Yeah. If it was a musical about slavery and you were inaccurate about it or you weren't accurate to like how brutal slavery was, then I'm not okay. Or if it was a musical about Jefferson, then I'm not, you know, and you didn't point out how many horrible things he did to his slaves, then I'm not okay. But it was a musical about a guy. It was a musical about an immigrant who came up and did his thing. And I, I just don't, I think it, there were moments where it could have, focused a little more on slavery, but overall, I do not think that it failed. Like, I don't think it was hiding anything. No, I, I agree with that. And I also, just thinking about it now, uh, we really shouldn't be making slavery into musicals in the first place. No, so, we really shouldn't. I can't see how that would work in a musical. No, I think if we talk about slavery, we need to talk about it in documentaries. We need to make hard-hitting truism movies about it and trying to spread the gospel 
in more ways than one. Yeah. Um, I, I do think this musical is, is what we said before is it, it's for entertainment. It is really just yeah. telling a story. Um, and, and I don't, I, not to say that that issue doesn't, that whole period of history doesn't have a place in, uh, in storytelling. I, it, it's coded in our history. Um, but it's just, it's just not that kind of show, you know? Yeah. And if, if, it was supposed to be that kind of show, then I think it would actually be doing a disservice to all of the people who lived and died through that time. By, yeah, telling their story as a musical. Exactly, yeah. So I, I, I'm glad you agree with me. I don't think it should be canceled. And I think one of the things that makes this show so impactful and so beautiful is um, just the way that it breaks down the the paperback cover of reading a history book and brings you into a time that really deserves to have more focus on it because it is such an inflection point in american history and to know it is to be more educated about being an american yeah Um, i don't make the argument that there are many things that have gone wrong in american history and i don't think i think the revolutionary war went honestly pretty well for what what could have happened Yeah. And I, just, I don't just mean we won, yeah. but I also mean that we actually managed to form a fairly stable country in some period of time after the revolution and avoided a lot of the bloody excesses of other revolutions where we chopped off all the oil. Like we didn't chop off all the loyalist heads afterwards. We didn't kill each other afterwards. For the most part, there were issues and there were failings like slavery, like we didn't end slavery when we signed the Declaration of Independence or wrote the constitution. That's a huge failing. Mm-hmm. That's like really unfortunate. And the fact our revolution and uh, and the way that we conducted ourselves afterwards, uh, it w- was the basis for a lot of other revolutions around the world, yeah. like the French Revolution. Literally eight years after our war ended, and I trans- yeah, was less successful than our revolution. It was very bloody. Definitely more violent. Uh, you know, not as not as uh, not as well conducted. No. Probably not great. Well, I guess there's Les Mis, which is like not quite the French Revolution, but there are, there well, are musicals about it. I wouldn't compare the Siege of the Bastille to Bunker Hill. I just wouldn't. No, I, wouldn't <laughs> no. I think those are two very different events. But I do yeah. think there's something to say about um, bringing bringing this kind this story to light, and the and the fact that it revel it really did like for whatever you have to say about the the level the of of hip hop, the level of rap that it infused into the show, mm-hmm. um, whether it's it's like community center level, like some people say, or it's like the highest elevation of rap they've ever heard. Um, yeah. I do think that it does a lot to revolutionize what we can do, but it changes what we can do on Broadway. Yeah, um, exactly. I think it really, like Broadway for such a long time struggled to infuse itself back in with a society that's just ever changing and mm-hmm. it's so multidimensional. Uh, that a long sh- time Broadway was too happy. It's like where you go when you want like a happy feel good thing, and people are getting tired of that. And uh, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that there is a place for Broadway to to tell these kinds of stories that are important and need to be told, um, and and still make them kind of fanciful. But it has to it has to explore those. And a lot for a long time, uh, it did the same thing that music does every five years. It just grows stale. They just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, until they realize it's not working. And already when you're having trouble putting butts in seats, 
uh, you need something like this to come along because I think it had been like maybe 15, almost 20 years that Broadway had been relevant in, in our, in our in pop culture. Exactly. Yeah. So. I think this musical was good for getting a lot of people who thought they weren't Broadway people to go see a musical. Because I had a lot of friends who said they didn't like musical theater. And I said, this is actually a rap concept album that got staged as a musical. And then they were willing to go try it out and listen to it. It does help that Questlove and Black Thought from The Roots produced it. Yeah. So I, th yeah. I think that does help a lot. Um, anything else to say? I, I think we covered it. I think we covered it. No, if you haven't seen Hamilton, go see it. It translates really well to a film. Yeah. It's a treat. I think it's worth giving, watch it, give it a try, form your own opinions about it. I think you it's great. I think it's, it's held up for a long time because of, because there's something there. Mm, yeah. And do yourself a favor, accept it for what it is and enjoy it. And trust that you know, the people that made it, made it with all of the best intentions. Exactly. And it comes out on stage and on screen. You don't have to get dressed up for it. You don't have to put your phone on silent, blah, blah, blah. You can watch it in bed and just have fun with it. And it's, it, it, it'll make you feel something you haven't felt in a while. Exactly. I have not cried so much <laughs> in so long. I'm not kidding. Like it was, it was like trails of my tears. Uh, anyways, um, Shermin. Thank you so much for coming on. I 100% appreciate you. You're a beautiful human being Aww, inside and you. out. Uh, the hair is growing out incredibly, by the way. Oh, I got a haircut. It looks awesome. Thank you. <laughs> you look awesome. Uh, and let's let's see, man. I, I hope that I can get some, uh, get some motivation to talk about some other stuff. Uh, the world is still crazy right now, especially in America. Still crazy. Well, I have some ideas for Nerd Corner, so if you invite me back on, stay tuned, everyone. I'd be so happy to not be the only one thinking about it. This is great. All right, <laughs> we're definitely hitting you back. I will see you all I'm soon. Good. Until then, stay sharp, stay motivated. Bye, everybody. Bye.